Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the producers and or the persons appearing on the program and not necessarily shared by the station or by any members of the Democrat National Committee. This is American Ground Radio. I'm Stephen Parr with Lewis Sar Avalone. All right, so Obama 2.0 has been confirmed now in both climate and environmental policy in the Biden administration. You remember under the Obama administration, mm-hmm. the federal government basically picked winners and losers, throwing billions, mm-hmm. billions of dollars around into boondoggles like Solyndra. I have a T-shirt that says Solyndra. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Well, and uh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we wasted billions on that company. Well, actually, it didn't sound like that good of an idea True. even at the time. True. Because instead of healing our planet mm-hmm. as President Obama mm-hmm. promised. Right. Taxpayers ended up shouldering more than $2.2 billion in ex- in loan guarantees mm-hmm. that these companies defaulted on. How much how much carbon dioxide is created when you just burn all that cash? <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, there were at least 36 taxpayer-funded green energy projects that just vanished like the wind. And so now you have President Biden out there. Mm-hmm. Again, this is just a continuation of the Obama administration, 100%. He's stumping out in Colorado. This is President Biden. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's stumping or stumbling, but he's in Colorado mm-hmm. at the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, and he's declared, we've got to get real about what's going on. I mean it. Think about it, he said. The only debate is around what do we do to confront this crisis? Oh, it's another (laughs) crisis. And that's a lie. That's not the only debate, but okay. Oh, wait a minute. He says there should not even be a debate. We have to invest in being... That's what he said. Okay, but the climate models are wrong. That's the thing that, oh, God, this is the thing that frustrates me because I've been talking about this for 20 years. There is not a single model, climate model from the United Nations that has actually been within two standard deviations. You're, you're just a climate denier. Uh, no, I'm a scientist. No, you're a climate denier. I have studied the science, and if you, you can go look at all the models the UN put out. That's the mathematical representation of the theory, and yet not a single one of them is within two standard deviations of error within the actual Range of temperatures. And by the way, the increase in global temperatures is less than the error in our measurement of global temperatures. President Biden says there shouldn't even be a debate about But any he of doesn't that. even remember okay. how to tie his shoes, much less deal climate science. So today in Colorado, well, you take a listen. Here's what he had to say. The goals are different because the necessity is there. We don't have a lot of time. We don't have much more than 10 years for real. And this is a decisive decade. I was talking to my dad. I said, Dad, we don't have a lot of time. He said, oh, we don't have a lot of time, Joe. I've been saying for years that the climate's going to be a tipping point by 1996. I've been saying that. No, no, wait, Dad. Is it still 96? I don't know. The tipping point, it's always 10 years out. Come on, man. I'm no, not, we've only got it's not 10, a joke. No, we've only got 10 years. We won't have any more ice cream. I mean, 
And he said, what did he say? He said, something that is caused by humans can be solved by humans. Like electing a bad president. But see, here's this is exactly what Obama did. Remember, they did those shovel-ready mm-hmm. jobs, and that's what he's really talking about here yeah. with respect to this green energy. It's going to create all these new jobs, right. basically shovel-ready projects. Mm-hmm. Like Solyndra. Well, like Solyndra, but remember, Obama only had $787 billion to work with to produce those shovel-ready ready jobs. And but by o- the way— Obama said we only had 10 years to save the planet. At that time. That was, what, 10, 12 years ago. So Obama had $787 billion to basically create or mm-hmm. save, mm-hmm. as he put it, 3.5 million American jobs. Mm-hmm even though they only achieved, what, about 40% of that goal in terms of, quote-unquote, creating jobs. But but they don't take into account how many jobs they destroy. But what kind of results do you think liberals will achieve when the federal government, when the Democrats get their hands on $3.5 trillion? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Absolutely Again, nothing. They're going to burn that money. And that releases carbon dioxide, not to mention all the trees we well, have to now, cut down to now, make the dollars. Now, look, in all fairness, Biden says uh-huh. renewable energy mm-hmm. is now cheaper than fossil fuel. You take a listen. Already the place of solar generation in this country has dropped 80% over the past decade. 80%. The price of a wind turbine generation has dropped 55%. A lot is because the investments we made in the Recovery Act back when I was vice president. And today, renewables are now cheaper than fossil fuels in many parts of the country. Now we need to take the next step. No, absolutely. It is cheaper when the federal government is subsidizing right. those industries. See, that's how they do this accounting. They, they, if, if you were to run a business the way the government runs their accounting, you would go to jail for fraud. Because they, he's saying it's cheaper than oil and gas. And yet he doesn't take into account the money taxpayers are spending on subsidizing all of that. Right. There's a federal production tax credit uh-huh. that is handed out to like big wind and solar developers. Right. I mean, and there's protective mandates uh-huh. that, re- that forces renewables into the market and there's ahead re- of other sources. And there's regulations and there's lawsuits and there's other things that the government is doing to the oil and gas industry that's artificially driving their costs of production up. He's cheating and he calls it a win. No, this sounds just, like a Democrat to me. No, it just sounds so familiar You've got all this scathing rhetoric about storms and wildfires, carbon credits, mm-hmm. praise for these environmental activists or eco-terrorists in many cases. Right. We just had some convicted in Washington state. This and, and you've got politicians basically stuffing their states with pork barrel spending. Mm-hmm. And you've got Biden out there on the stump trying to help the Democrats get their hands on this $3.5 trillion Dollars. The climate change narrative seems to just be a cheap sideshow now to the collapse of the withdrawal from Afghanistan, the treason of General Mark Milley, the increasingly self-evident infirmity and the doddering of, of Joe Biden. The, the far darker implication is that he is but a figurehead of some larger administrative state which is operating in defiance of the Supreme Court 
while Congress languishes in this partisan deadlock and the American people are rendered dumb and frozen in their fear of COVID. Now, that fear of the pandemic is starting to wane. And what do they need to pivot to? Yeah, well, what I, do the Democrats pivot to? It's this familiar boogeyman. Change. And if they were able to shut down the economy because of a virus, don't you think they're going to try it again because of climate change? But I mean, Why it, wouldn't they? Absolutely. But it, it's just like Obama. I mean, it's a perfect time to start this snake oil selling mm-hmm. of shovel, shovel-ready jobs as Biden is trying to sell this $3.5 trillion mm-hmm. infrastructure. Which, by the way, nobody knows really what's in the, It's not even infrastructure. They call it infrastructure. It's not infrastructure. It is social programs designed to change America. It is not infrastructure. It, just like it's not about climate change. No, I mean, now we, right. we still only have 10 years to save the planet. We only had 10 years to save the planet back in the late 1980s. Well, no, it sounds like we're doing fine. In the 80s, it was the ozone, right? Well, no, but I'm talking about 1987 when James Hansen went before the Congress and he said, climate change, we have got to stop global warming in the next 10 years. That was back in 1987. You know, back in the 70s, we were promised an ice age. You know, in the 80s, yeah. it, and then it was acid rain. Right. When did all that happen? Where did it go? Why were they wrong? Because it was about politics and not science. Let's get to the top three things you need to know before tomorrow. California's Governor Gavin Newsom signed, survived his recall election by a wide margin last night. 64% of voters in California said no to recalling the governor. Only 36% said he should be removed. That's a significantly higher support for the governor than any poll suggested. The Real Clear Politics average showed support for the governor at 56%. That's 10 points lower than the final outcome. And of course, those on the right mm-hmm. don't trust the results, feel like there was we voter know, fraud. Well, there, we do know Republicans were turned away from the, the polling places and told you've already voted. I mean, and this, they had. this is a significant issue if we don't get control of our elections, the integrity in our elections. Second thing you need to know before tomorrow, members of the U.S. gymnastics team blamed the FBI and Department of Justice for not doing enough to stop the sexual assault by team physician Larry Nassar. At least 40 girls were molested by Nassar over several years with U.S. gymnastics. Members of the team reported the abuse but felt like the FBI's investigation was intentionally dragging his feet, allowing the abuse to continue for years. Gold medal winner Michaela Maroney testified before Congress today saying when she first reported the abuse at age 15, she felt the FBI minimized and disregarded her claims. Oh, and Senator Cory Booker, he's told those girls, you're fighting against a systemic problem in our country. No, you know who you're fighting? You're fighting the federal government because when they were presented with those claims about Tara Reid and Mm -hmm. Joe Biden, how many Democrats stood up for Tara Reid? Third thing you need to know before tomorrow, the city of Portland, Oregon, is deciding not to boycott the state of Texas. The city had planned on banning travel to Texas and prohibiting city departments from doing business with Texas companies. Instead, Portland City Hall now says they'll set aside $200,000 to support organizations, quote, that deliver programs and services related to reproductive health care. Portland had purchased nearly $35 billion in goods and services from Texas companies in the past five years alone. Well, as the Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick put it, Portland is a dumpster fire, and Texas is thriving. Coming up next, we'll talk with the American Mamas. Stick around. You're listening to American Ground Radio, where the news isn't just business, it's personal. With Louis R. Avalone and Stephen Parr. 
Welcome back to American Ground Radio. Stephen Paul with Lewis Sar Avalone. I mean, what? The Obamas just bought a $15 million home mm-hmm. on the beach. Mm-hmm. Are they concerned about coastal erosion? I no? mean, what, what does that Rising say about their... levels? Right, what does that say about their faith uh-huh. in science? Yeah, I mean, if we if, if the oceans are going to rise by another two feet, you know, within the next hundred years, why would you spend a 30-year mortgage on a piece of property that's going to be underwater within five? I mean, it just it right? makes absolutely no sense. I mean, we've got terrorists that have taken control of Afghanistan, mm-hmm. right? You've got Iran that's moving ever closer to nuclear capability. Right. North Korea is building a nuclear arsenal. North, they just fired off two more ballistic missiles this week. Russia continues to flex its military muscle. They, they still have taken over part of Ukraine, right? The Crimea, they, Russia still have that? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm just checking. China? China's modernizing its weapons with fighter jets. And new aircraft carriers. And by the way, their fighter jets are on a daily basis basically interfering in uh, Taiwan airspace. Our our nation's borders Mm -hmm. are so porous that even the U.S. Border Patrol Mm -hmm. doesn't know who's coming across the border at all. Another 200,000 people came across the border in August. So even so, faced with all of these threats to peace Uh and freedom Mm -hmm. around the world— Actual problems— the president of the United States mm-hmm. is focused on climate change. It's gonna be it's gonna be warm. I mean it's the world the hot. world is on fire. Well, yeah, but see, he thinks that's because of carbon dioxide. He he doesn't understand that's okay. not because that's very funny. It's not that's because just, of carbon dioxide. It's because of no. inept leadership. But see, here's the other thing. From a practical standpoint, mm-hmm. it, it, even if you, you you buy into the climate change, whatever, mm-hmm. China which is the largest holder of the United States debt, mm-hmm. is now building one or two new coal-fired power stations mm-hmm. per week right. until 2030. So who's the biggest exactly. carbon dioxide producer no. on, the, on the planet? China mm-hmm. is the world's largest carbon emitter. It produces twice as much carbon mm-hmm. as the United States mm-hmm. and 50% of all coal that is combusted Globally. And yet China, because it was labeled as a developing nation, is exempt from the restrictions in the Paris Climate Accords that Joe Biden wants us to rejoin. So what disgusts me so much, and I'm reminded of the expression Nero fiddled Mm -hmm. while Rome burned, Mm -hmm. and that comes to mind because of the obliviousness of this administration to the most pressing threats facing our country and, and because not only did Nero fiddle while his people suffered, mm-hmm. he was a poor leader in a time of crisis. Joe Biden is running. He's not fiddling. He's running around with a torch and waving it like a sparkler. We got a question in for our American mamas. Dear mamas, did you see the story of the mayor who threatened to have the entire school board arrested if they didn't resign? Well, let's ask our American mamas. Mama, mama. And joining us now are American Mamas, Terry Nettaville and Denise Arthur. Uh, This is a story out of Hudson, Ohio, and the mayor, Craig Schubert, went before the school board, and he said this. Members of the board, my name is Craig Schubert. I'm the mayor of this city. It has come to my attention that your educators are distributing essentially what is child pornography in the classroom. I've spoken to a judge this evening. She's already confirmed that. So I'm going to give you a simple choice. 
You either choose to resign from this Board of Education or you will be charged. Thank you. What do y'all mm. think? I laughed like that guy in the back. Whoa! <laughs> I say, finally, oh. finally, a leader, somebody in authority that can set, that is doing the right thing. I'm so used to just feeling so deflated and so defeated when I see things on TV because of the board members who are just going to stick right. with what. So to have the mayor. Can you imagine having that mayor in Shreveport stand up for the I people? I can't imagine having any mayor in this town right now at this point in time of the game. But, Terry, look, I'm so happy. Yes. I'm bloody. I really, this is just really tickles me. But the, here, the buck shouldn't, the buck doesn't, shouldn't stop there. Where the teachers, mm. the principal, the principal said, they, the principal said, didn't know anything about it, didn't know what was in there. Okay, well, who does? And how come the teachers don't? If these kids are, I mean, they it, it was stuff like encouraging them to do underage drinking. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. everybody needs to be held accountable. Well, not only that, but I think that, you know, some parents are, are asking that each room have a video camera so they can be aware of what's being taught to their children exactly. now. Because this has been going on for a couple of years. Which like, will never happen. Remember during yes, Zoom, I do. they didn't want no. parents in the room yeah. when they were teaching that, Zoom. And I say this often, that one of the... Silver linings of all of that, the Zoom stuff that we didn't know anything about until all of this happened. One of the silver linings is that now parents are aware of what the teachers are saying yeah. and the indoctrination. But parents said that there was a prompt that asked students to write a sex scene that you wouldn't show your mom. And another one which said, rewrite, rewrite the sex scene from above into one that you'd let your mom read. And then they, and then it says another prompt asked students to drink a beer and describe how it tastes. Parents said that they felt these writing prompts and others were so inappropriate for their children. And it is. These are high school children. This is a college course they were taking in high school. But imagine, imagine, I'm thinking about my own children, a teacher reading this curriculum and thinking this is okay yeah. to do and with the children. And they've been using it for a year, over a year. It's not like it's brand spanking new. Somebody knew something and somebody should have gone somewhere and told somebody, look, this is inappropriate. I'm not going to let my kids do this in my classroom. This is why parents are up in arms and they're going to each school board meeting and they're saying, we're taking your job, your job, your job, and your job. Because now we understand they aren't, they're not doing anything to help our children. They're not even looking at the curriculums. They're signing off. Yeah. Writing a you check, know, yeah. signing off, and nobody's paying doesn't attention. Doesn't have a clue. But I cannot. How dangerous. How are you a teacher that it doesn't take that curriculum to the principal and say, hey, look, Mr. So-and-so, Miss So-and-so, I, I know this is something that I'm supposed to teach in this class, but I want you to look over this. This, yeah, this does not this? seem appropriate. This is garbage. How did that not happen? How, how in the world were they able to get away well, with that? Well, maybe we might find out that it did happen and somebody ignored that teacher. Somebody uh, higher up. But uh, I don't know. I'm yeah. just saying that could very well be. But if more thing. leaders would stand up like this mayor and give that ultimatum, I would feel, I'd, I'd, I think I'd be able to breathe again. Because, you know, y'all, we have not been able to really take a just a relaxing full breath since Trump came down the escalator. It has been so many years of us, you know, the media just, uh, I mean, they just twist and they lie and they spin. So we, we just kind of hold our breath constantly. Like, yeah, for and, what you, and you don't say. know what your kids are going to be up against next between, you know, school, television, media, I mean, social media. I mean, so when someone in authority says, this is your ultimatum, it makes the rest of us go, Okay, 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 we're going to get somewhere because maybe maybe this will be like a domino effect. Yeah. Maybe other mayors of their towns will stand up for the people... 
that they represent and say, no, we're taking this back. We're taking our town back. We're, t- we're going to take our kids back. We're going to be aware exactly. of what's going on. Allow the parents to come well, parents watch. are waking up, I think. Oh, yeah. You know, you know yes. the school's not your babysitter, your right. nanny. You got You have to be the hawk. You have to be the hawk looking over these But we kids. didn't know that we couldn't trust those who right. were taking care of our children. I don't think my, I don't think our kids had that problem with the schools. And yeah, the I wouldn't think so, but I th- I'm sure a lot of these parents were like, I never thought yeah. this would even well, an what issue. Well, what I hate is we've, we've seen this before where these parents, I mean, parents, groups of parents have gone in front of the school board over and over. And not just that, they've read the uh, from the books and they've told them what's going on. Those were the mayors that should have stood up exactly. like this guy did. So kudos for him. If you'd like to ask our American Mamas a question, go to our website, AmericanGroundRadio.com slash mamas and click on the Ask the Mamas button. Terry Netterville, Denise Arthur. Thank you all. Thank you. Well, coming up next here on American Ground Radio, we are digging deep. We'll be right back. Choosy moms choose American Ground Radio. It's smooth, creamy, and now contains 7 grams of protein per serving. With Louis R. Avalone and Stephen Parr. Welcome back to American Ground Radio. I'm Stephen Parr with Louis R. Avalone. All right, so I was reading an article that pointed out how the United States Department of Labor website has zero mentions of this national vaccine mandate. Zero. Wait, wait. It's being done through the Department of Labor through OSHA. Well, go to the OSHA website. Okay. The OSHA COVID information portal. It's going to show you the same thing. Zero information, zero guidance. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's and there's no date for the Department of Labor or OSHA to deliver any employer guidance or details. So they actually haven't done the mandate then? Well, I mean, the question is, is there really a federal intent to actually force American workers? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To get forcibly vaccinated as a condition of employment. Or do they know it's unconstitutional and this whole thing was a head fake to try and get you to panic and go get the vaccination? Because if they meant it... Uh-huh. There would be daily updates from all sorts of agencies all across the country that would be tasked with enforcing the policy. And if they've actually meant it, don't you think the federal government would have thought through a policy and and done the checks? No, I don't. Look, if we're going to issue a policy, we've got to know how this is going to operate. We've got the plan ahead of time. and We also know the cost-benefit analysis of it. sure, sure. Don't you think think if we had competent people in government, isn't that how competent government would be done? Oh, I'm sorry. That's an oxymoron. Mm. Competent government. No, I don't think there was ever any intention Mm -hmm. to trigger the process to get OSHA to begin evaluating how they could even pull this off. And and if you look at it, you've got, what, 80 million Americans who are unvaccinated. Okay, let's just say 25% of those Mm -hmm. are employed. Okay. Don't you think our entire social and economic system would grind to a halt if 20% of them or... Let's say 20 million 
heavily productive people Mm -hmm. just quit working, like a grocery chain. We have numerous hospitals in the country right now that are saying they're either going to have to stop doing procedures or some of the hospitals are saying we're going to have to close altogether because their staff is not getting vaccinated. Or a Walmart. I mean, how can how can a hospital or hotel lose 20 to 50 essential workers? And by the way, mm-hmm. last year, mm-hmm. these folks were considered essential they workers. They were heroes. But they now, were heroes. now under the evil. Biden administration, allegedly... These are the people that have cost us everything. I, I don't think there was any real intention. But anyway, and in other news, okay, Anthony Fauci named sexiest man alive. Just had to throw that out there. That's fake news. No, that's true. By who? Who named him? Uh, this is uh, b- 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 The Guardian. The Guardian named Anthony Fauci the sexiest man alive. And I'm just wondering, were the other contestants deceased? Yeah. I'm just saying. But Obama won the Nobel Peace Prize, so, I mean, anything's possible. Okay, that's all fake news. All right, let's... No, it's real. Th- that's, that's fake news. Anthony Fauci is not the sexiest man alive. And we'll talk about it on the other side let's of this segment. Deep. Working in a coal mine, going down, down, down. Working in a coal mine, about to step down. So I used to tell this joke uh, with my friends back in high school. Uh, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean people aren't actually out to get you, <laughs> right? Okay, is it really paranoia if people really are out to get you? I bring this up because of two different news items this week. One was a poll by Scott Rasmussen. The other was a new book by Bob Woodward. Let's start with the poll by Rasmussen. Rasmussen asked Americans what they thought was the biggest threat to America. Do you know what Democrats said was the biggest threat to America? Global warming. No. Donald Trump. Donald Trump supporters. Oh, I see. Donald Trump supporters were a bigger threat than Donald so Trump. So like folks like you and me yeah. and our audience. 57% of Democrats said that the biggest threat to the nation was people who supported Donald Trump. Second place, 56% said unvaccinated people were the biggest threat to America. Try running this country uh-huh. without Trump supporters. I'm just saying. Nothing else on the list had a majority of Democrats saying it was a, quote, serious threat. Not China, not the Taliban, not Russia, not even global warming. Not the southern border. What about inflation, unemployment? So given that, would it be paranoid for a Trump supporter to think Democrats would be out to get them? I mean, if Democrats think you are the biggest threat to the nation, why would it be unreasonable to think that Democrats are out to get you? They're trying to protect the nation, right? right? What's good for the goose should be good for the gander. I mean, if they're trying to protect the nation and you're the problem with the the nation, why wouldn't they try and come after you? All right. That brings me to Bob Woodward's new book about the last days of the Trump presidency and the first few months of the Biden presidency. And the big story here is this quote that General Mark A. Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, assured his Chinese counterpart, General Li Zhucheng, General Lee, you and I have known each other now for five years. If we're going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time. It's not going to be a surprise. That's what General Milley said. And by the way, he said that in October of 2020, before the election, not afterward. That is treasonous. I, I don't care how. And by the way, the, the Department of Defense put out a statement today. They didn't deny that he said that. They simply said he didn't do anything that wasn't proper. Oh, no. They ac- didn't say he didn't do this. Actually, they defended his actions. Yes. And they tried to put it, Jen Psaki, uh-huh. actually, in, in the White House press briefing today, she tried to couch what General Mark Milley did mm-hmm. 
in terms of putting it in context okay. that this was a president that was generally out of control. No, this was this was not this was before January 6th. This was before the election. Oh, I understand. So, here's but the thing. She, that's how she couched it that but President General Trump Milley, was out of control and General Milley did what was patriotic. Okay, so if General Milley is one of the Democrats who thinks that the biggest threat to America is Trump supporters, then in his mind, he wasn't committing treason because China wasn't as big of a threat as Donald Trump and his supporters. Okay, so you're defending him now. No, I'm saying when you start to assume that other people are crazy, you start to be paranoid. You start to make bad, bad decisions. And you start to justify things that are unjustifiable. Well, like Why who, would the who are chairman, you talking about here? I'm talking about Millie. Why would the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff tell the top military leader in China that he would give him a heads up if the U.S. were to attack China? Because he decided that Trump was crazy. And General Milley took it upon himself to be sure that President Trump wouldn't be a threat to this country. But it wasn't just him alone, though. No, he, but he consulted with Schumer. He consulted with Pelosi. Great I mean, point. He had lots of support great in point. Washington, D.C. And that's how we know he thought Trump was crazy. Because of a phone call he had with Nancy Pelosi. This was after the riots on January 6th. Pelosi called Milley to make sure Trump couldn't launch a nuclear attack against China or Iran or something. And she said, here's what she said on the phone. Quote, he's crazy. You know he's crazy. He's crazy. And what he did yesterday is further evidence of his craziness. Now, never mind that Trump didn't actually do and He didn't start that riot. And that has been proven. Milley replied, quote, I agree with you on everything. Milley decided Trump was crazy. Milley decided the commander in chief, the man he was obligated by the Constitution to report to directly and follow those orders. And if you can't follow those orders, you're not supposed to go around to our enemy behind our back. You're supposed to freaking resign right there like a man with honor, as opposed to a man who has lost all sense of honor and has basically abandon your post in front of the enemy. No, basically, you're, I think you're making the case that what he did was honorable. No, because if he, he believed, thought it was honorable, but, but that doesn't make it honorable because I he made the wrong choice. He's decided that Trump was crazy. No, he wasn't. Did, he, did Trump launch a nuclear attack? Did Trump even try to launch a nuclear I attack? I understand, but in a court of law, in order for a crime to have been committed you have to have both the intent uh -huh. and the action and but, you're making a case for his intention is that he was actually thought he was protecting but was the it, united states of america but was it a reasonable intention was that a reasonable assumption on milley's part well maybe that's for a military tribunal to decide and i think it should because milley has not denied this the department of defense has not denied this and trump did not try and attack some other country Unlike Barack Obama and George Bush and Clinton and George, you can go back. Anyway, well, no, he, bright spot coming up. Yeah, next. absolutely. You're listening to American Ground Radio. Welcome back to American Ground Radio. Stephen Parr with Louis Sar Avalone. All right, so apparently, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken mm -hmm. just admitted that there are. Over 5,000 Americans likely to end up stranded in Afghanistan. He just admitted that because I know he's been on Capitol Hill and they've been. They've well, been no, they've been that. saying that it's like one to 200 yeah, Americans that were hundred. left behind. Yeah, and most of them just wanted to stay. <sighs> I mean, so anyway, you've got this Secretary of State who is absolutely feckless. He's in over his head. Absolutely feckless, yeah. inefficient. 
ineffective. Name one foreign policy victory for the uh, Biden administration. And but yeah, I can't think not, of one. Not one. I can't think of one. So according to the Secretary of State of the United States, mm-hmm. the best estimates are there are several thousand mm. United States green card holders mm. in Afghanistan. I mean, that's a very different number yeah. than what Jen Psaki told us mm-hmm. from the White House briefing room. You wouldn't suggest that Jen Psaki's not 100% honest, would oh, you? Oh, of course not. Oh, okay. You know, but, I mean, she said there was just 100. Yeah, she did. I mean, this is... The American people, this this is why people... Don't that, trust the government. And that's why F. Joe Biden is trending all over social media and in every college stadium across the country. People are fed up with being lied to. Can't trust... The, the reason people aren't trusting the government is because the government hasn't been trustworthy. Let's get to a bright spot. Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett gave a speech at the University of Louisville over the weekend. She was uh, introduced by uh, Kentucky Senator McConnell. Uh, Oh, Lord have mercy. Well, he was was there. The turtle. Yeah. (laughs) I always think of, there was a a Dana Carvey movie back in the 1990s where he was like the master of disguise. That was it. And one of the characters he played looked exactly like a turtle. And I always think (laughs) of that with, anyway. Uh, I got sidetracked. Okay, anyway, so here's some of the things she told the audience that were, I think, bright spots okay. coming from one of our Supreme Court justices. Uh, these are Some of these quotes here from the Courier-Journal. She said, quote, judicial philosophies are not the same as political parties. I think that's right. I, You know, I don't know that that's true, because if the party that you belong to mm-hmm. practices a certain philosophy over and over again, like— for example, the Democrat Party. Okay, I mean they're anti-God. Uh-huh. They're anti-life. But those aren't those aren't judicial philosophies. She's she's talking about originalism versus pragmatism. Oh, okay, you're talking about uh, judicial uh-huh. philosophy. So the originalism that's the meanings on the word not on life, the page have meaning, not right? Life philosophy. No, no, just the judicial philosophy. Okay, the words on the page have meaning. Whereas pragmatism, the courts can decide that the law has changed if public opinion has changed. Okay, All fair right? enough. She says now, obviously, pragmatism is. It, she doesn't say this. I'm going to say this. Obviously, pragmatism is dangerous and leads to chaos, and it's preferred by the left. Yes? Well, because the ends justify the means Right, there. and nobody knows what the law ever is. The law is only what some judge decides society thinks it should be after the case is filed. So you've got a basically a, a you, judicial activist. You have no idea the what the law actually is. But that's not quite the same thing as political parties. She said the media, along with hot takes on Twitter, report the results and decisions. That makes the decision seem results-oriented. It leaves the reader to judge whether the court was right or wrong based on whether she liked the decisions, the, the results of the decision. And here's the thing. Sometimes I don't like the results of my decisions, but it's not my job to decide cases based on the outcome I want. No, that's absolutely correct. And as lawyers, we're trained mm-hmm. to evaluate the facts in such a way. Right. I mean, that's why lawyers defend those even those that are guilty mm-hmm. for example because the process matters exactly you, if you're going to convict somebody you've got to convict them the right way well you've got to provide them their due process exactly. somebody's got to do that so political also covered this they got some other quotes here it says justices must be hyper vigilant to make sure they're not letting their personal biases creep into their decisions since judges are people too 
that, look, we're all people, we all have biases. But if you're going to be a great justice, you can't let those biases creep into the decision. But I think in terms of judicial philosophy, Mm -hmm. I think what that's all about, and I think what she may be alluding to, is that you have to be consistent regardless of the facts. Yes. Regardless of whether you agree with the outcome. You may not agree with the law, but if the law was passed by a legislature— and it was signed by a governor, or if it was passed by the Congress and it was signed by the president, that though the words on that page have meaning. Right. And as long as it's in line with the Constitution, the words on the page in the Constitution, then whether you like that law or not is irrelevant. Right. It's like a judge making a decision in a contract's dispute case. Right. Right. The, the contract was written up the way that it was written up, uh-huh. and to the extent that it, it wasn't, you know, illusory or otherwise uh, fraudulent fraudulent yeah the judge is going to look within the four corners of that document in order to decide mm-hmm. whether there was a breach or whatever the case may whether be it wasn't here's one last one that i really liked she said i have an important job but i certainly am no more important than anyone else in the grocery store checkout line i liked that i, I think that's the right attitude for someone that's in a position that powerful yeah Absolutely. I think so. A lot of folks had high hopes for her. Yeah. And during the uh, during so all those far, cases uh, regarding yeah. the 2020 election. Yeah. She was awfully quiet. And I would like for this court to be be more courageous than it has been. You and wanna, maybe she'll change that. Do you want them to have more judicial activism? No, I want them to stand up for the letter of the law in a more firm way. Because we're a nation of laws, exactly. not of men. Coming up next. Got a moment. Well, stick around. You're listening to American Ground Radio. Welcome back to American Ground Radio. I'm Stephen Paul with Lewis. Sar Avalone. All right. So we started the show talking about climate change. We're going to end the show mm-hmm. to some degree. Not the moment of whoa, okay. but we're going to be talking about climate change here. Again. In this last segment. Okay. Because you just like poking the bear. Well, apparently. The polar bear. We all know how deadly cow farts are. No, I mean, seriously. I mean, the left has already educated us. I mean, us. look, more people die from cow attacks than from shark attacks every year, but I don't think that's what you're talking about. Okay, so you've got, you know, this, you've got the cow gases, uh-huh. and then, of course, cows do number two. Yeah. I mean, we all know about cow sure. patties, yeah. right? Yeah, Well, apparently... Cow chips. In Germany, mm-hmm. they have figured out how to battle this cattle scourge oh thank god leave it to the germans did they make their cows more efficient well here's how they do it Uh uh-huh they potty train them (laughs) i'm not lying they were able to train 11 of 16 calves to basically go number one Uh and number two right in a specific area so if the cows had an accident Mm -hmm. and they went number one outside that specific area they were squirted with cold water because apparently in Germany, that's how some people train their children. Squirt them with cold water. Apparently. And so by the end of the potty training, 11 of 16 calves who mm-hmm. could be trained were doing three quarters of their number one in the toilet. Isn't that wonderful? Whoa. <laughs> On Sunday, car after car drove past Lawrence Brooks's house in New Orleans. It was his birthday. It was his 112th birthday. Oh, my. The National World War II Museum wanted to help him celebrate by hosting a birthday parade. You see, Lawrence is the oldest living World War II vet. 
He was born in 1909 in Norwood, Louisiana. He's already in his 30s when he was drafted to serve in World War II. Private Brooks was in the 91st Engineer Battalion and helped build road, bridges, and airstrips in New Guinea and the Philippines. He was serenaded by the World War II Museum's vocal trio and several local New Orleans bands. And he was even given a proclamation by the governor saying, quote, Mr. Brooks, the entire state of Louisiana thanks you for your service, and we all wish you a joyous birthday. Private Brooks, mm-hmm. thank you. For your service. And happy birthday. May your pursuit of happiness bring you joy. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.